News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR on News Talk. Connister and Minister for Foreign Affairs and Defence, Michal Martin. You're travelling to Germany to attend the Munich Security Conference later today. What's going to happen at that conference? Well, I think it will be dominated by the Middle East, um, in, in, in particular, and the war on Ukraine. Um, and, and, and the broader geopolitical situation, the world is in, in uh, terrible trouble in many respects in terms of the widespread conflict that's on the way. But I do expect a particular focus on, on, on the Middle East, on Gaza. Uh, I know that the Palestinian foreign minister was in uh, uh, Berlin uh, this, this week and has met with the German foreign minister, uh, Jordanian foreign minister uh, will be there. Um, and most of the key players will be there in respect to the Middle East. Uh, and I will be meeting with quite a number of them uh, over the weekend. Um, and um, it's an opportunity really to, um, first of all, I think, get further, I think, agreement. And and, 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 and there is no large measure of agreement for a cessation of, of, of hostilities or a humanitarian ceasefire, as we put it, um, in order uh, to allow, in the first instance, the release of hostages, but also... Uh, unimpeded access very, to very, all, very desirable very desirable Tonestan I don't think there's a listener here uh, this morning that will disagree with you is it achievable? It is achievable um, and um, we, we, we must keep the focus must keep the pressure on I mean there have been talks over the last two weeks uh, mediated by Qatar and Egypt um, US and, 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 and Israel have been involved in respect of a two to three month pause in return for the release of uh, up to 100 hostages. Um, and um, that, that, that isn't over. Those talks are not concluded uh, and, and, and those back channels continue. So one must hope uh, that they would yield a humanitarian ceasefire. And also, I think even w- we have to keep the pressure on uh, within other member states within Europe and others to make sure, for example, that funding is not cut to UNRWA because there are two aspects to this. There's the humanitarian aspect, which is dire and catastrophic. Yeah. And to listen to Philip Lazzarini yesterday was quite shocking in terms of his depiction of what is happening within Gaza. Do you have and any secondly, concerns? If we, just, no, wait, just one second. If I, the, second aspect yeah, okay, of it is, re, the second aspect is reconstruction. If, if we're all serious about a two-state solution, if we're all serious about how do we rebuild Gaza after this war uh, with a technocratic Palestinian government, for example, in place, just say, you can't do it without UNRWA. You cannot do it uh, without the organization that facilitates and has the capacity to open schools for hundreds of thousands of children. Fair enough. For the primary but, but, do you have any concerns about the, the allegations about UNRWA being you know, infiltrated, some of its employees being infiltrated by, by Hamas? Of course we have concerns. Uh, and that's why we supported Philip Lazzarini in the actions that he took. He, 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 he got oral information from the Israeli authorities. He immediately suspended the named people that he received, up to 12 without any evidence um, other than um, an oral communication that they were involved. He took it so seriously, and he was correct in doing this, in my view, given the seriousness of the allegations, because the Hamas attack on October it was, it was absolutely heinous um, and barbaric. So he, he sacked those individuals immediately. He also, uh, and, and UNRWA, sends all names of all its staff and all details of its staff, up to 13,000 of them in Gaza. Okay. To the Israeli authority, to the Israeli authorities, and have been doing so on an ongoing basis for quite a long time, and hadn't received um, complaints of that scale 
um, before before um, yeah. two weeks ago. Uh, Hamas incident, we had a spokesperson on from this morning basically saying that that, that initial attack on Israel, which of course killed w- women and children, uh, civilians, saying that attack was justified, he, he said on News Talk Breakfast this morning, a spokesperson for Hamas. That's shocking. I mean, that that is, in no way could anybody justify that. Um, it was a slaughter of innocence, um, of men, women and children. Uh, and it involved um, uh, appalling acts of barbarity uh, on the people who were murdered. Um, and, uh, and and Hamas uh, are a fundamental part of the problem here. Yeah. Okay. Um, you you cannot have a jihadist approach to the organisation of any society, uh, and you cannot, uh, in any shape or form, justify those kind of acts. No, no, no. I know you, and you've been very clear. And you look, you've been taking a, a, a very tough line on uh, Israel, uh, not least this week with the uh, your, your, with with the government uh, teaming up with Spain, calling for an urgent review of the EU Israel trade deal. Uh, we had uh, Paul Murphy on the show earlier in the week, basically saying saying acknowledging the tough line that the government has taken, but saying you need to go further, you need to expel the Israeli ambassador. I know it's something that you as a government have been reluctant to do, and we know the reasons for that, keeping lines of communication and so on. Is it getting to a point, though, where Israel just isn't listening? Would you get to a point where you could consider that option? Two points. You say we're getting tough on Israel. We're getting, we're fair. We're down the middle and we're calling this as most objective people see it. Yeah. People now see the slaughter of children, of families. I mean, Philip Lesrini told us yesterday, 17,000 orphaned children in Gaza. 17,000 without parents, without family. There's a slaughter going on now, Yeah, whether we like it or not. Uh, that's the context in which we're saying to Israel, you've got to stop. Uh, and it's not about being tough on anybody, it's about being objectively... Yeah, no, no, uh, fair enough. I, 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 I didn't necessarily mean in the pejorative sense. Well, but, no, but, I just but, want to yeah. make that point. Yeah, no, fair. It's important because and on the Israel, ambassador? No, no, because Israel developed a, a narrative that oh, Ireland is anti-Israel. We're not anti-Israel. Okay. And that's, that's the point I want to make. But we the are ambassador, though, Tonister? No, I, well, yeah, I come to that. I mean, I've been very clear. Paul Murphy, Richard By Barrett and others have called and she's into the expulsion of the ambassador which basically means we break off diplomatic relations with Israel. Um, when they were calling for that, and when the calls were most thrillous, I was in Israel, I was in Egypt, uh, trying to get 56 to 57 Irish citizens out of Gaza. The only main person we could talk to, or state we could talk to, was Israel, who controlled the list. Yeah. It's that simple. And, and then, uh, two weeks ago, Richard Mybarrett was asking me, will I make further representations on behalf of further uh, Irish citizens? And dependents, if I could get them out. Okay. And I said back to him, but you said to me, we I should break off diplomatic relations. What do you think I'm going to do this? So if we it, break off it's, a, it's a no, Tonister. You're, you're, you're going to keep. Yeah, but I think you're going to keep. I mean, but, no, no, we but take, I take the point you're making about keeping lines of communication and, 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 open. We, we take and the that second point. point is, in a time of conflict, if we're trying to end wars, you do need to maintain dialogue and you do need to maintain um, contact. That that would be my perspective on it, and it just doesn't apply to this particular war or conflict. It applies to all situations, because if we're to go down the line of saying we will not have diplomatic relations because of the policies of given states and given times, we'd be, we would be breaking okay. off diplomatic relations with quite a lot of states. 
Tonish, um, uh, we, we wish you well on your trip to Germany. Just before we let you go, can I ask you two very quick questions? Do you have any concerns yeah. or do you understand the concerns of local representatives in, in Drada who have a problem with the D Hotel, the biggest hotel in, in, the, in the town, being used for refugee accommodation? I do understand their concerns. Um, and uh, for, because of the nature of this particular hotel in the heart of the commercial centre in Drogheda, um, yes, I do understand their concerns. Uh, the Department of Children is under uh, huge pressure because of the uh, numbers now seeking asylum um, in Ireland. We have um, increased um, you know, resources to try and fast track and to try and process applications as quickly as we possibly can. But in January alone of this year, uh, over 2,000 people came into the country seeking asylum alone. Now, that's nearly double the average of what was happening last year. Yeah. So we have a real issue and a real pressure point here. Um, but I do understand the concerns. Is, is this I, just the least worst option, basically? Is that what you're saying? That, look, we, we don't have any choice but to put them up in this hotel. Well, I, mean, I, I, I do believe we have to take on board the concerns. And I think government has to review, you know, and, and, and uh, endeavour to develop guidelines in respect of how we intervene and, and where we locate. Is there a case for intervention them. here in Drawda, potentially? Well, my understanding is the contract has been signed. Okay. Um, but, uh, but I do think more broadly uh, we have to take on board what people are saying to us as well. Uh, final question you, you, you were on the record Tony says describing the uh, the voluntary package paid to the Ortiz former CFO uh, Chief Financial Officer as uh, shocking can I just ask you given everything that's emerging about Ortiz the ongoing uh, revelations that are as you said shocking is it time for D Forbes to appear at either the Public Accounts Committee or the Media Committee in your view? Well, I think the media committee um, has, in my view, done a reasonable job on this. Uh, I think Neil Smith has handled it well, and it is the, the, the Oireachtas committee that is responsible for media. Yeah. Uh, I also think that we have to respect people um, in, in terms of ill health, and if people are not in, well enough to attend. That said, maybe other avenues could be explored as to how um, evidence could be taken in that respect or, or presentations could be taken. Uh, I think we, we need to we hear the from her, all, essentially. We do need to hear from uh, the former Director General. I think also we in the Oireachtas need to reflect also um, in terms of, and I'm not commenting on the current performances, but in terms of past uh, you know, episodes of Oireachtas committees um, where many people felt that they didn't get fair or due process. Um, and that could be a factor in people deciding not to coming forward the second time around, okay. uh, where people attended first time round. But overall, we... I think the committee, the media committee and public council on this occasion, I think, um, have elicited very important information that we wouldn't have got otherwise. So okay. I would right. pay tribute to the committees on this occasion, but, uh, but it, it's, we have to continually reflect on how we make committees more effective and how we ensure that if people are coming before the committee, there is due process and t- t- you know, that people can be treated well. Thomas Michal Martin, uh, thank you for talking to News Talk Breakfast this morning. News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR. Weekday mornings at 7 on News Talk.